0: Stories from Upanishads Retold by Argya Goswami Dear friends and listeners, I am back after a month long of vacation. You missed my podcast? <laughs> Just kidding. I travelled to many places Enjoyed a lot. Spent some very relaxing time with family and friends. Now I'm back to the business as usual. Today I thought I will start with an important Upanishad story which actually forms the complete Upanishad, the Prashna Upanishad or Prashna Upanishad. Chronologically, this Upanishad was written around 400 BCE and after the era of the ancient Upanishads. Exactly the chronology of these Upanishads difficult to state due to various contradicting theories of historians and accommodations. However, it is pretty clear that this Upanishad was written after Breda Chandogya, Isha, Kena, Katha and Mundaka Upanishad. This Upanishad immortalizes the great sage Pipalada. However, before I can begin today's story, I think I must tell you about the sage first. Why did he got such a name which is derived from a peepal tree or a sacred fig tree? The backstory of Sage Pipalada begins with the story of his father, the great Sage dadhichi who was son of Sage Atharvan, the composer of Atharvaveda. Sage dadhichi lived with his wife Suvarcha and her sister Dudhimati in his hermitage by the banks of river Ganga. Hermitage was very pious and it provided lots of positive energy, so there was no demons or asuras who could step into the hermitage or create any kind of nuisance. Once, there was a great devasura sangrama or a war between gods and the demons. The victorious gods came to the sage and they proposed to keep their celestial weapons in the custody of the sage as no demons would enter the pious environment and the weapons will always remain safe. The sage happily agreed to the proposal and hid the weapons in his hermitage. After gods went back to the heavens, Suvarcha was not happy with his decision to keep someone else's property. She told him, if something happens to those weapons, the sage would be responsible for it. Although the determined sage accepted his mistake, but said that he had given his word to the gods, so he must keep the weapons safe in the hermitage. Many years passed by. The gods didn't come back to collect their weapons. The sage saw that the weapons were losing their luster and power. As he washed them with the holy water, saw that its power was dissolving into it. In order to preserve the powers and energy of the celestial weapons, he drank up the water. In a while, he saw that the weapons were useless as all the energies and the powers were dissolved in the water which he drank. Then came the twist to the tale. Again, a fierce demon named Ritra attacked the gods. He blocked the rivers and brought in drought all over the earth. The gods wanted to attack the demons, but they realized that their weapons were in the sage's hermitage. So they went back to the hermitage and asked for their weapons. The sage gave them back their weapons. They saw their languid weapons. They knew that these were ineffective against the attacks of the demon. As the demon grew stronger, and attacked the gods, he could not stop his annihilation using their ineffective weapons. Finally, Indra, the king of gods, went back to the sage with folded hands, asked for a solution. Sage Dadichi told him that he drank up all the energies and powers of all their celestial weapons when they were losing their luster. So all its powers and celestial energies are stored in his bones indra was flabbergasted to hear this from the sage as he was wondering on how he can get the celestial energies back the sage proposed something supreme he said that he would die and indra could ask the god's architect vishwakarma to craft a celestial weapon from his bones which would carry the powers and the energies of all celestial weapons indra was befuddled to hear this and was reluctant. Finally, looking at the deteriorating morale of the gods and a certain loss at Vrititra's hand, he reluctantly agreed to the proposal. Then, says Nadiji, sat in Padmasana and his body exploded, exposing his bones, which was lustrous and shiny from absorbing the energies and powers of the celestial weapons. Vishwakarma immediately collected all the bones from the sage's dead body and crafted a deadly weapon named Vajra or the thunderbolt. Indra used this supremely powerful weapon to defeat the demon and his horse and brought victory to the gods. Sage Daditi's greatest sacrifice is immortalized in the form of a powerful weapon Vajra. However, Suvarcha, who was away when sage sacrificed his life and when she returned, she found her husband dead. During that time, she was pregnant and she decided to kill herself by self-immolation. But before doing that, she decided to rip open her womb and deposit the fetus under a peepal tree. Dudhimati her sister, saw her committing suicide in grief and also found the fetus under the peepal tree. She took the fetus, nourished him with the juices of the peepal leaf and life-giving amrit or the nectar which the moon god decided to drop onto the leaves of the tree. Thus, the fetus grew up into a baby boy whom she named Pipalada after the peepal tree where his mother left him. Pipalada grew up to be India's most revered sage Prashna Upanishad is all about this great sage Pipalada. Another interesting facts friends I wanted to share with you all. Our highest gallantry medal is Paramveer Chakra or the will of the ultimate brave. It is an award which is granted for most conspicuous bravery in the presence of the enemy. If you look closely at the medal, which is a circular bronze disc for about 35 mm in diameter. And on the front is the national emblem of India, which is in the center on a raised circle and is surrounded by four copies of Vajra, the weapon of Indra. This motive symbolizes the sacrifice of Sage Dadichi, who gave his bones to the gods to make Vajra, to kill the demon Vrititra. Isn't this an interesting story at the start of today's episode? As I told you in the beginning, this episode is all about Prashna Panishad and it has total six questions or Prashnas. So, keeping in mind the total runtime of the podcast episode, I have decided to divide this into two parts. The first part of this series on Shattapash Prashna or six questions will cover the first three questions. And part two will have the rest of it. Now, since you know the backstory of the sage, now let's listen to today's story. One six young hermits named Sukesha Bharadvaja, who is descendant of Sage Bharadvaja, Shaiba Satyakama, grandson of Surya named Saurani, Gargya from the line of Garga, Koshalya Ashwavalayana, son of Ashwala. Vedharbi Bhargava, from the line of Brigu, born in Vidarbha, and Kadambhi Katayana, great grandson of Katya, practiced and devoted Brahmapara, a seeking supreme Brahman. They carried the summits or the sacrificial fire stake and approached the great sage Pipaladra. These six men had lived their lives in austerities and contemplation for seeking the supreme Brahman, their spiritual journey had hit a plateau and realized that they were unable to know the complete truth about the Supreme Brahman all by themselves. So, they decided that they would require a guru or a teacher who can teach them about the Supreme Brahman. Thus, they decided to approach the great reverse sage as his student. Before I continue with the story, let me clarify you, in this story Satyakama Saiba is a different person than Satyakama Jabala mentioned in Chandogya Upanishad, whose story I have already narrated in one of my earlier episodes. If you have not listened to that story, please do listen to it. Also friends, do you know that the significance of students seeking the knowledge carrying the sacrificial fire stick to a teacher? You may have heard this in Satyakama Jabala's story when he approached the sage Gautama, The firewood sticks would metaphorically signify the student's commitment to the sacrifices he would make while taking the knowledge and instructions from his teacher. Now let's continue with the story. The revered sage welcomed them gladly and instructed them to stay with him in his hermitage for a complete year in complete celibacy or brahmacharya. During this time, they must practice self-restraint, chastity, and faith. After one year, they must ask their questions. The six hermits agreed to the proposal. Like obedient students, they agreed and followed the instructions of their guru. They practiced complete self-restraint, abstinence and faith for complete one year. After the year ended, first Kadambhi Katayana, the great-grandson of Katya, asked his question which was eating him up with folded hands, sat down at river sage's feet and asked his question. This was the first Prashna of the Prashna Upanishad. O river sir, kindly tell me, where did all the creatures in the world come from? Where indeed they do take their birth? River sage replied. Prajapati, the lord of all creatures had desires of having progeny. In his previous life he was a human aspirant meditating on Prajapati with the belief that I am Prajapati identified with all. That intense meditation made him Prajapati at the beginning of the present cycle of creation. Even then the belief that he is Prajapati persisted and he had still in his mind all the Vedic knowledge acquired earlier. So. He used his past knowledge to create a cosmic egg or Hiranyagarbha. After creating the cosmic egg, he created rai, the matter, such as the moon, and prana, the energy, such as the sun. For sun or the energy, rai is the food which is the moon. All this but the food is formed or gross or formless or subtle things which is wholly distinct is indeed rai. That means, Rai is everything that has form, such as a body, or formless, such as a mind. Prajapati created that year that is dependent on the couple, sun and the moon. Thus, successively, he produced and created half years, months, fortnights, days and nights, and other forms of matter. Thus, prana and Rai convey energy and matter. To create a new life, the matter must be infused with energy, just as a sperm infuses an egg to create a zygote, which is an indication of a new life. The moon is simply a matter, but sun is prana, the energy, for it is only when the sun rises and illuminates the whole world, east, west, north and south, everything becomes alive. This is the day of Prajapati. One kalpa. Friends, you must be a bit confused with what I just now said about Prajapati or Brahma. As for Hinduism, the universe in which we live in starts with the origin of Brahma. It runs till Brahma's life and after his death, another cycle starts with the creation of the next Brahma by Vishnu. Brahma, although arises from Padmanabha, lotus from the navel of Vishnu and is a Swayambhu or self-born. the swambhu, Brahma's lifespan extends to hundred years. His one day consists of a day and a night. During day, the universe runs and during night, everything dissolves and nothing is left while Vishnu goes to sleep on his sheshnag. Universe again stars on the second day at the daytime and this cycle goes on till Brahma's lifespan the daytime of Brahma consists of duration of one kalpa and night time is also of the same one kalpa equals to 14 mahavantaras one mahavantara consists of 71 mahayugas one mahayuga consists of four yugas called chaturyuga and they are in ratio of 4 is to 3 is to 2 is to 1 so Kali Yuga whose age is, is 1200 divine years or 4,32,000 human years. One divine year is equal to 360 human years. Sata Yuga is 4 times of Kali Yuga that is 4,800 divine years or 17 human years treta yuga is 3 times of kali yuga that is 3600 divine years or 12 lakh 96000 human years dwapar yuga is 2 times of kali yuga that is 2400 divine years or 8 lakh 64000 human years one maha yuga is 12000 divine years Or forty-three lakhs twenty thousand human years. One Mahavantara is eight lakh fifty-two thousand divine years or thirty crores sixty-seven lakhs twenty thousand human years. One day of Brahma equals to two kalpas, that is two crores forty lakhs divine years. So Brahma's 100 years lifespan is equal to 8 kharab, 64 Arab divine years, or 311.04 trillion human years. Currently, Brahma is in his 51st year of the f- first day. So, currently, the ongoing kalpa is Shweta kalpa. The ongoing Manavantara is the seventh one called Vaivaswata Manavantara. The current Mahayuga is 28th out of 71 in which we are in Kali Yuga, which has been started in 3102 BCE and 5125 years have passed as as per AD 2023, which has elapsed in Kali Yuga. A great shout out for this information to Sumit Srivastava from National Institute of Technology Shelter for the detailed information on Kalpas. That was quite a bit of maths, Anyway, hope you understood the context of Prajapati or Brahma in the current Kalpa. So dear friends, in my earlier episode also have explained the concept of Hiranyagarbha and how it is similar to the modern scientific studies of origin of life from the Big Bang. Scientists have discovered that the universe has an oval shape. Like the nine months of the evolution of human egg, the cosmic egg also undergoes nine stages of evolution before it gets dissolved during what we call is Mahapralaya. The concept of cosmic egg is not only found in Indian Vedic scripture but also found in Egyptian, Babylonian, Polynesian and many other creation stories across the world. In almost all these cases, this embryonic motive emerges out of darkness, floating upon the water of chaos. And within this egg typically resides a divine being who literally creates himself from nothing, that is Swayambhu, just like our Brahma or Prajapati. This creator then goes on to form the material universe. This ex nilio or the Swayambhu creator either uses the material within the cosmic egg shell or the substance of chaos to bring shape and order to the world. This cosmic egg has different names across different cultures of the world, such as Eurydnome's egg in Pelasgian culture, Diving Duck egg in Finnish culture, Ormat's egg in Zoroastrian culture, Rod's world egg in Slavic mythology, Pangu's egg in Chinese culture, egg of the sun god Ra in ancient Egyptian culture, and many more. Sage Pipanada concluded the answer by saying the sun is both prana of the universe and Vaishvanara. That is the spark of life in every creature. And then he decided the mantra. Vishvarupam harinam Paraya Yanam jyotirekam tapantam sahastrarashimah satdha vartamana pranah prajanana mudaya Surya, which means the one that is possessed of all forms full of rays endowed with illumination the resort of all the single light of all the radiator of heat it is the Sun that rises the Sun that possesses thousand rays exist in the hundred forms and the life of all creatures then the sage continued In the cycle of man's life, there are two paths present before him to take, the northern and the southern path. Those who perform rituals and sacrifices perform acts of charity for the selfish ends, not recognizing the essence of the prana in those rituals, are bogged down by Rai and take the southern route. They return to the materialistic world, the world of Rai, again and again and again. But those who seek true knowledge, practice chastity and self restraint keeping the faith, they soar with prana along with the northern root and gain the realms of the fearless, radiant sun, eternal source of life, breath and never return to the material world. Pipalada concluded his response of, for the first question and blessed Kadambiukatayana, his response to the first question made Vaidharvi Bhargava from the line of Brigu inquisitive. He asked his question to the revered guru. This is the second question of Krishna Upanishad. O Venerable One, how many in fact are the deities that sustain a creature? Which of them make a being alive to everything around itself and which of them is the greatest? People are the patiently listened to Vedharbi Bhargava's question and responded. Dear Bhargava, the body is made of five elements or panchabhuta, space, earth, fire, water and air. These are the gods which actually support the body. Unquestionably, all these hold up the body together by not allowing to disintegrate. These five elements are the material causes of the body. Mouth, mind, eye, ears are the organs of action and knowledge. They are the gods and preside over these and identify themselves with the body and organs. Just like pillars of a palace, these organs hold together this aggregate of body and organs and doesn't allow it to disintegrate. Then people are the narrative and account about the different organs and their greatness. He began by saying, As they appeared in the body, each one of them boasted. Each of these organs believed that they are solely responsible for holding up the aggregate body. Once each one of them had spoken, prana or the life breath spoke. Do not fall into delusion. Do not cherish this way. Any vanity resulting from non-discrimination for it is I who sustain this aggregate body or organs by not allowing it to disintegrate. Panchadha Atmanam Pravibhajya I support it by providing myself fivefold by dividing my functions into those of the outgoing breath. However, still other organs thought and remained incredulous and thinking how this can be. Prana said, I'll show you all. He appeared to be rising up from the body towards Brahma the passage at the top of the human head through which the life enters and leaves the body. As the prana ascended, all others without exception immediately ascended and when it stopped, it remained quiet and all others too remained in their position. Just like a queen bee takes charges of her swarm, all other organs realized their mistake. They cried, mercy, you are the greatest. They all cried, praising Prana. We believe you now. When Prana lives, we all have to live. No other organs can exist without Prana or the life breath. Just to elaborate a bit on this point, Whenever the breath or prana leaves the body, all other organs such as mouth cannot speak, eyes cannot see, ears cannot hear, brain cannot think, tongue cannot taste and the nose cannot smell. Everything becomes lifeless. What remains is rai or the matter as the body is made of five elements. All the organs praised prana by reciting this hymn, Esho Agnesha Tapaye Surya. Esha Parjanya Maghavanesha Vayu Esha Prithvi Rair Deva Sad Sacha Amritam Chayeta Which means, this prana in the form of fire burns. Similarly, he shines as the sun, also as the cloud he rains. Moreover, as Indra, he protects the creatures and endeavours to kill the demons. This one is the air diversified into different currents like Ahva and Pravaha. Furthermore, this God is the earth and the matter Rai of the whole world, gross and subtle, that which is the nectar that ensures the sustenance of the Gods. Like the spokes of the hub of the chariot wheel, all are fixed on prana. It is you who move about in the womb of the Mother. As the Lord of creation, it is who you take birth. O Prana, it is you who reside with the organs. You are the best transmitter of the celestial. You are the food offering to the mains that precedes other offerings. You are the right conduct of the organs that constitute the essence of the body, which are known as Atharvas. O Prana, you are Indra. You are, through your valor, you are Rudra. You are the preserver on all sides. You move in the sky, you are the sun, the lord of luminaries. O prana, when you pour down as rain, then these creatures of yours are happy as they know the foods will be produced. O prana, you are unpurified, you the fire Ekarsi, the eater, and you are the lord of all that exist. We are the givers of food. O Matirasva, or air, you are our father. Please Do not ascend any further, O prana, we all will be lifeless if you ascend or leave. Everything in this world is also everything in the heaven is under the control of prana. Protect us just as the mother protects her children and ordain us for splendor and intelligence. As soon as people are concluded his second response, Inquisitive Kaushalya Ashwalayana asked his question. This was the third question to the great sage. He asked, O Venerable One, from where is Prana born? How does he come into the body? How does he dwell by dividing himself? How does he depart? How does he support the external and physical things? The great sage replied to him, O dear Kaushalya, you are asking me many questions together. Since you are a true seeker of Brahman, I will answer you. Then the sage continued his response. Prana is born from the self or Atman. Just like a shadow is always fixed with a person and is inseparable. Prana is always fixed with Atman or the self and is inseparable. Both enter the body together through the path created by the mind. For the mind remembers the unfulfilled desires from the previous lives and the needs prana to bring alive a new body so that those desires may be fulfilled in his life as it is the king alone who employs the officers to rule over different places prana engages other organs separately in different activities such as eyes for sight ears for hearing and so on once inside the prana splits creating four other types of breath such as apana, udana, vayana and samana. He places apana or the downward breath in the two lower aperture that is the organs of excretion and reproduction so that they can work as per their function. In the middle at the navel area he places the samana the breath that stabilizes and working that bellows that keep the fire of digestion burning steadily and well. Vayana, the breath that travels is the distributor of energy carrying along with the network of 101 main nerves to the heart where the self or the atman dwell each one of them has 100 divisions. Each branch is divided into 72,000 sub-branches. These sub-branches and branches of nerves take the sustaining and nourishing energies that Samana creates from the food into the remotest reaches of the body. Rising up from through one of the channels, Udana, the, or the upward breath, which moves from the soul of the feet to the head. This leads to the virtuous world as the result of virtue, to the sinful world as a result of sin, to the human world as a result of both virtue and vice. This is the way that prana supposed life in the body. Then the sage paused and continued his response again. Dear Kaushalya, outside the body, sun which when rises awakens the prana in every eye. It is the prana of the universe Earth which pulls everything towards it is indeed apana, the downward force. The space is in the middle between the earth and the sky is the Samana, which is the stabilizer and the air and the wind which moves within the space and travels through it is vayana, which is the distributor. The fire is indeed Udana, the upward force and always reaching for the higher realms. And when the fire of life is extinguished, mind draws the senses back into itself then together with prana aided by Udana it's ready for rebirth or move to a higher realm so dear Kaushalya the true knower of Brahman no prana how it is born how it enters the body where is five elements manifest both in the body and outside of it how it is related to Atman and to the Brahman how they become immortal Friends, those were the first three questions with Kadam B. Kattayana, Bhargava and Kaushalya asked to Sage Pipalada. The questions ranged from origins of life to the most important and the greatest power of all living things and the origin of prana or the life breath. Hope you have learned something new from this episode today. I'll continue with the next three questions from the Prashna Upanishad in my next episode. Please do write to me with your comments and feedback. And my email address is arghyathings at gmail.com. That is A R G H Y A T H I N K S at gmail.com. I would be really happy to discuss them with you. Please do like, share, follow, and download my podcast series. And until then. This podcast was created on Hubhopper Studio. Hubhopper is India's leading podcast creation platform. Get your voice heard across platforms like Spotify, Ghana, Google Podcasts, Wink Music and more. Click on the link in the episode description or visit www.hubhopperstudio.com source content collected from various books on Upanishads such as Messages of the Upanishads by Swami Ranganathananda, Brihadda Aranyaka Upanishad by Swami Madhavananda, 8 Upanishads from Advaita Ashrama, Upanishads.org, Vedas and Upanishads for Children by Rupa Pai, and several other write-ups and thoughts on Upanishads. Background music is sourced from various royalty-free music sources, Apple loops, internet archives with non-commercial 4.0 international license. Om Shanti chants are from YouTube source Gaia Sanskrit. This podcast was conceptualized, scripted, narrated and audio designed by Argya Goswami